You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Google Play, Alexa, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Friday with some news. We talked about it in the last podcast earlier in the week. Jalil Okafor now signing officially with the New Orleans Pelicans to a training camp deal, though terms of this were not disclosed. We'll talk a little bit more about him, his chances to crack the opening night roster, and will he make it through training camp. We also have some schedule news that came out with the Pelicans having an opening night game on the road against the Houston Rockets. They also, are, I think it's anticipated the schedule is going to come out later today. And then we have some other tidbits of when they might be playing uh, on the at least national stage here for for New Orleans, and also some over-unders that we'll quickly talk about as well now that they've got that win total out there from Westgate. So a lot to get to in this edition of Locked on Pelicans. So Jalil Okafor officially signing with New Orleans. It's to a training camp deal, a non-guaranteed deal that I'm certain has probably some guaranteed by date, either the start of the regular season, the end of training camp, or maybe a short bit into the regular season, but certainly not going to be not much further than that. That gives him a chance to get on this team, get into the NBA. And of course, this is interesting because he's the former third overall pick in a draft uh, behind Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. But really, after a very big breakout rookie year where he made the all first rookie team, whatever it's called, uh, where he averaged 17 and a half points per game and seven rebounds. He quickly fell out of favor in the 76ers organization. Of course, they drafted Joel Embiid and Erlens Noel was already there. And that kind of left him, I guess, on, on the wrong side of the minutes equation on the outside looking in when it came to their rotation. He also had a number of uh, injuries and just weird things going on there. So not the best tenure. And of course, that led to him being traded to the Nets last year, where, you know, maybe at that point, it was just too little too late to kind of reverse the fortunes of the season, but didn't look particularly good either. But I think Pelicans fans are pretty excited about this signing because he was the third overall pick. And you always get excited by the idea of a 22-year-old drafted that high if you can get him on your team. Even if he hasn't shown anything at all, that means that he should have been drafted there or that he should stick around in the NBA, which is, frankly, the situation we're looking at here in New Orleans. People are praising this, and I don't quite get it. I So I get it from the sense that, look, there there's just zero risk for New Orleans in this. If it works out, great. They get a guy. It sounds like he's got a team option on the contract for next year too. So if he does play particularly well, at least the Pelicans can sign him for cheap again next season. That's good. That's good negotiating and good on Dell Demps for doing that. But also, this is a guy who may or may not make the 15-man roster and who may or may not get any kind of playing time. When you look at all of the minutes, the 96 in the front court. Um, for the Pelicans per game, you've got Davis, Miritich, and Randall all probably needing around 30 minutes per game or so. Davis is probably at 36. All of a sudden, that takes minutes away total. Then if you give Randall 30, Miritich 30, there's not 
just many minutes to go around. So it's not like Okafor, who took 30 minutes per game his rookie year to average those 17.5 points and also took almost 15 shots per game to get that, is going to come anywhere near that kind of production just because of a minutes standpoint. It's kind of as simple as that. So I'm not too excited because you could almost sign anyone to fill this role. And people are saying, well, if he outperforms it and plays well, this is a steal. It, look, if they signed anyone to this vet minimum deal with a team option, any single player in the world to this, and they outperformed a vet minimum contract and getting at most 10 minutes per game, and that might be on the high end, yeah, anyone's then a steal and a bargain and worth it. It's not just applying to Okafor here. I think if you're looking at people for this position, again, guys that really don't matter and are fringe NBA players for the most part, you know, yeah, Okafor is probably the best of the bunch and maybe has the most upside of the bunch, but I just can't get that excited for a guy who's maybe at best your fourth big. You've got those three there. Then you've got Diallo and the the time, money, effort, you know, all of that that the Pelicans have sunk into his, uh, you know, development. You also have a Mecca Okafor who's now, this almost certainly says that he is gone from the team. And that's fine too. It wasn't like he was really playing much for the Pelicans come the playoffs or anything like that when you need this kind of role. And you can get guys just on 10-day contracts and other things to kind of fill the role that a Mecca Okafor played, even if he did play, you know, pretty okay. I won't say great for the Pels, but I definitely think it was okay. So, Okafor, yeah, is good for this. and But anyone, honestly, would be good at this. And if they're not just complete garbage on the court, then, hey, this actually looks pretty good for the team. But it would have been this case for anybody that they would have signed. So, again, I just don't get particularly excited about it. But the upside's there. And then, you know, injury is the great equalizer, as I've told you guys many times on here. Maybe someone goes down. Then do you want the young, raw prospect who can maybe is eager to step up into the spotlight and this role and he really buys into that next man up mentality, well, then that could be really good. And there's probably more potential for him to do that than a guy like the other Emeka Okafor here. Um, I think they're related. Are they cousins? It might be that. Um, So I think that's also a good thing. Maybe he's hungry and you've seen kind of the hunger. If you watch the videos of him working out this offseason, he's really trying to hit it hard. He's dropping weight. He's getting in shape. And after all these injuries um, that he's had, That's certainly going to be a very, very good thing. So, you know, I think it's just why why the hell not kind of move. But when they're why the hell not kind of moves, I have trouble just saying they're amazing signings. And we always talk about needle movers, difference makers on here. Certainly isn't one. Just like anyone in this position for the Pelicans wouldn't be a difference maker. Maybe your third, fourth, fifth big, something like that. So I think that's okay. But again... Upside's never a bad thing, and that gets people excited, and that's certainly the case here. So maybe dropping the weight, maybe working out and getting in all of this great shape is going to give him more energy and add some athleticism, certainly all he needs because he's really bad defensively when you watch the tape on him. He doesn't have much of a jump shot. Maybe he's working on that tremendously too this summer. I'm sure he is because he knows this is going to be the last chance he has in the NBA. So there's tons of potential here for it maybe to be okay. Yeah, I think this has more of a chance of working out than not working out, to be honest. But even in the best case scenario, if it does work out, it's for like 10 minutes a game. Six minutes likely is what I kind of have him pegged based off my early rotation projections and things like that. I just, I just can't get that excited about that kind of move.
Don't forget, things like this always going on during the offseason. It just never ends here in the NBA. So make sure you keep up with what's going on around the association by listening to the Locked On NBA podcast Monday through Friday. And of course, every Wednesday, I'm on there hosting it, having a lot of fun with my co-host, John Corrales, as we break down all things NBA. So make sure you tune in Monday through Friday to the Locked On NBA podcast. So before we move on to two other things, something I forgot to mention in the last segment, which I want to mention now, don't forget that two years ago, this team was rumored to be really interested in Jalil Okafor, potentially even having a deal agreed upon, but supposedly, according to burner accounts from, you know, potentially Brian Colangelo or his wife out there in Philly, he failed the physical and the move never ended up happening. So that's also something that's kind of intriguing that the Pelicans have been scouting him for a while. It was a guy they liked. They were potentially going to give up first round pick for him. Now they get him for a vet minimum deal. So certainly that's a good thing. So the other news coming out of the other the other day from the NBA was the Christmas Day slate, the opening night slate of games was announced, and then you got some other things here and there, and we got two parts of the Pelicans' schedule. Um, for opening week, the Pelicans tip off against the Houston Rockets on the road on October 17th, a Wednesday on a nationally televised game, ESPN at 7 p.m., you know, it's not, they didn't get a Christmas Day game, but getting, you know, kind of one of the opening night, opening week packages, I think certainly is a good thing. The season tips off probably that Tuesday, I think it was announced, um, the 16th. And then on the 17th, you get a nationally televised game on ESPN. That's a big start for the Pels. You know, a couple years ago, they did have the Christmas Day game against Miami Heat. That was really cool, too. This is a big deal. This is exciting. And it's also nice to see them not, you know, playing the Warriors on opening night or something like that. So that's a big deal. That's exciting. Get on national television. Keep telling people about this team. You were a playoff team last year. You swept and absolutely demolished the Portland Trailblazers in four games. You still have Anthony Davis. You now have Miritich back again. Julius Randle, who people are excited about. And this team can be a lot of fun still. The other um, game that we got, nationally televised road game as well, Monday, January 1st at 4.30 p.m. Central. It's one of the Martin Luther King Jr. Day games. They're playing Memphis. The Pelicans used to host this game on that Monday for a number of years. I think it was like three or four or five, or at least when I started getting season tickets, they had a number of them then. Um, And it was like a noon 30, something like that tip off because I think they wanted all the kids who were out of school for that day to be able to go for the game. So this day is really cool. Um, Memphis makes a lot of sense, obviously, to have the Martin Luther King Jr. Day game hosted there. So the Pelicans the past couple of years have been on the road, usually at Memphis for this sort of thing. So still nationally televised game, playing in a game, uh, you know, on a day that has a lot of people with eyes on the NBA. So that's a big thing. And supposedly we're going to get the schedule, the... This afternoon, I think, at some point. So hopefully that comes out and we'll be able to kind of see what the schedule is because that does lead into the next thing here for the Pelicans. The Westgate Las Vegas Sportsbook has projected the Pelicans to finish with a record of 45 and a half wins. That's what the over-under set at. So it's not a prediction. I shouldn't say I should say that. 45 and a half wins is the over-under. Things to keep in mind with this. These are not necessarily a prediction of the wins that they're going to have. This is to pick a number that basically entices the same amount of money on both sides of the over-under, on the over and on the under, so that Vegas can kind of make their money by playing it down the middle, taking basically the VIG on everything, and it's a 
as simple as that. They don't want you to kind of go one way or the other. They want to kind of hedge against any sort of risk there and have people play both sides. So these numbers are reflective of that. 45 and a half wins, though, if you look at it just in terms of prediction totals and things like that, puts the Pelicans as the seventh seed in the Western Conference. Um, they've got, you know, six other teams higher than them. The biggest one that jumps out at you, though, is the Los Angeles Lakers. 48 and a half for them. I think that's high, but I also think that's really high because during Summer League, when everyone was going up there from LA in hopes of catching a glimpse of LeBron James in any Lakers gear, they might have thrown a lot of money on the Lakers. At one point, I think they had the fifth best odds to win the NBA title. Vegas is trying to not get people to bet that over because it's already been bet enough. So maybe if you set it that high, people are taking the under. So I don't think Vegas actually expects a 48 to 49 win season out of the Los Angeles Lakers. I think that's very high for them considering they don't have any shooting. They're going to take some time to gel and kind of click together and who knows what goes on there. Um, so I think that's kind of a big thing to keep in mind. So don't feel so angry that they have the Lakers projected to get more wins because again it's not really indicative of kind of the overall feeling about what these teams might be it's really just used to incite betting action on both sides and since there's already been a, basically a shitload of money on the Lakers they've got to kind of overshoot that a little bit but 45 and a half for the Pels I think you know when you look at it that's pretty good you're losing DeMarcus Cousins who really drove this team and was almost at times the best player on the team for at least you know a good part of the first half of the regular season at times till he went down till Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday both stepped up their games tremendously but I think when you lose a guy like DeMarcus Cousins I think people outside New Orleans really feel Rondo was a very 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 important player to this team and yeah you're probably gonna drop the Pelicans from the 48 wins they had last year to something like 45 46 not too big of a difference when you really think about the players that they dropped and that Randall's not going to be playing the same amount of minutes that DeMarcus Cousins was playing per game prior to his injury. Also, the rest of the West has just kind of gotten better. Denver's gotten better. Minnesota's still going to be there. The Spurs, are we're still not certain about what's going on with them, but Utah's going to be really good. You have a number of these teams that really can come up and try and maybe beat you and knock a win or two off. The Suns improved. Um, Dallas has improved the Kings. Who knows? They're the Kings. But you get what I'm saying. It's just tougher all of a sudden. You know, you don't have as many guaranteed wins on uh, a season schedule than you used to by playing in the Western Conference because even the bad teams are significantly improved. And I think that's one of the reasons why maybe this Pelicans team went from, at least in terms of the predictions. And again, these aren't necessarily the most accurate thing, but they give you kind of an idea of what people are thinking, people who are paid a lot of money to kind of be accurate about this sort of thing. Um, so 45 and a half, that's the Pelicans over under. And I don't know what's going to happen yet. I haven't, you know, I think we also need to wait for the regular season to come out where we can see, do they play the Warriors three or four times? Do they play the Lakers three or four times? Things like that really do matter and can add an extra win or two to your franchise's total at the end of the season. So that's going to do it for this edition of Lockdown Pelicans. Quick, straight, easy, to the point here. Okafor signed, at least on a training camp deal, though we don't have ter terms reported, but I think we all know. Uh, and, of course, the schedule coming out this afternoon, already some of it being released. And 45 and a half wins is the Vegas over-under for the Pelicans. Let me know on Twitter. It's at Nola Jake. Are they over? Or are they under? Why? Why do you think? I'm kind of curious to know because I really have not formulated an opinion on this just yet, but you guys can help 
help me in my thinking, try and sway me one way or the other. So thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com. Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. We'll be back with you all next week.